consistent self-improvement everybody you are now listening to american gypsy podcast i'm your host classic and i'm here with my co-host gypsy and today we have michael thornhill he is a professional channel plant spirit healer and co-founder of casa galactica a retreat center in peru welcome to the show michael welcome hey classic hey gypsy thanks so much for having me on the show a pleasure it's a pleasure having you so. Pleasure having you. I don't know if you heard <laughs> that correctly. Nice mix. <laughs> so um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up in Peru? Yeah, great, great question. Sometimes I ask myself that, <laughs> but I'm, I'm here. I've been here about five and a half years. Um, I, I'm from Wales in the UK originally, and I studied chemistry uh, medicinal chemistry and I was working in headhunting but I was just kind of working in the rat race just trying to find my way just trying to trying to make things meet and work and find success or happiness or things that we're told that we we basically need and I was heavily addicted to a lot of drugs uh, work money trying to make money all the usual stuff and after my mother died about six years ago i kind of had a bit of a wake-up call and was just like okay life's a little short you know it's kind of faced with death in the face and i realized that perhaps i was on borrowed time with my kind of addictions and lifestyle and i heard about ayahuasca and i drank ayahuasca and had a very a profound, a deep awakening where I could see that the life I was living was not in alignment, that there was more to life than what I was being told, that what I believed. And I, I managed to kind of follow that guidance. And long story short, I went traveling to Nepal, to India. I was studying Reiki and also yoga and find myself moving down to Peru to beginning to study with ayahuasca in the jungle, in the Amazon jungle, in the Amazon rainforest. And I had a very, very deep, profound uh, spiritual journey and a healing awakening and continued to study and train there, was able to work with a, a great indigenous teacher of mine called Rona Lopez and continued study and working with him for, for several years. And then met my wife, Jamie, uh, here as well, whilst I was working and studying. And yeah, we decided to stay in Peru and we've dedicated our life in service to others and in helping others who may be going through similar journeys, awakenings, or perhaps distress, depression, anxiety in their lives, or not even sure what that might be. And offering a helping hand to assist people in their own healing and evolution and awakening journey and, and helping people to, to find themselves and, and find that peace and happiness inside. Okay. Uh, I guess I'd like to go back. I, don't, I know as far as we're starting in Peru, I'd like to go back to learn a little bit about um, Wales. Can you tell us what it's like growing up in, in, in Wales? Because I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, sure. She well, has a bit more experience with the UK than I yeah. do. You've been to the UK? Uh, yeah, I've been to London. I have a sister that lives there. Yeah. Cool. I, I lived in London recently for popped up. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just saying it recently, Wales recently popped up. So I was like, well, I have someone here. Yeah. 
tell me a little bit about it yeah yeah sure wales is a beautiful place um beautiful mountains beautiful scenery really really beautiful place for me i was living in a small town that kind of was a little bit perhaps behind the times a little bit small small town mentality and there was there was a lot of people there when i was growing up getting bullied and like different gangs that were chasing me and other things like that and it's so it was, it was kind of a little bit rough in the places that that i was so i was always like in my heart thinking how do i how do i move out of here how do i get out of here but i left there really when i was 16 so i'm 34 now so it's quite a long time ago since i was i was really living there but it's a it's a really beautiful place it's a really beautiful place to to visit but the same as anywhere has its has its faults and i was living in a little small town and with that small mentality comes with um some difficulties in growing up you said you um you kind of got in, had a um, um, drug addiction when did you first get into um drugs was that more in wales or after you left wales yeah now that was probably probably around about 12 years old when wow. i was when i was in wales starting with alcohol and then marijuana and then kind of when i was a little bit older getting into the clubbing and djing and partying and yeah i was i was very depressed as a teenager and uh subsequently now that was because there's a lot of trauma in my life that i wasn't aware of but i didn't really have that much ambition to live let's say it put it that way so i just thought well i'm just gonna i'm I just gonna party my way out of this and just party and didn't really have that much regard for longevity of life didn't think that i would make it past 30 years old so i i was uh yeah heavily into the partying still still doing very well in my studies thankfully but uh yeah also doing quite well at partying how did you come across ayahuasca was it recommended to you or you were doing research well, after my mother passed, I was getting into meditation. As I mentioned before, I was starting to question a little bit more the lifestyle that I was, I was partaking in and starting to really see mortality and being faced with death. Then it caused me to question and start to look. So I try to, I try to overcome addiction quite a few different times. And it was always to me something like, oh, it's going to be a matter of willpower of just just say no to everything and then just choose something different. I didn't realize that there was trauma underneath all of this uh, addiction that was being covered up and hidden. Therefore, I, I wasn't aware really of how to, to heal that. But I did start to turn towards meditation, uh, to some different spiritual events and things that I started to turn towards and actually started having some healing sessions, some uh, energy healing sessions and sound healing sessions with a practitioner who was very good. And I actually started to have some very deep spiritual awakenings um, after my mother had passed and feeling in contact with my mother's spirit. And by, I was like totally like a non-believer in all this stuff at that time. I was in the rat race is just kind of like continuing to run around in circles. So I was very, very closed down and not really open to spirituality or religion or anything like that, really, at that time. Then I started to have these very profound, uh, deep contact experiences with my mother's spirit during these uh, sound healing sessions. And subsequently, this practitioner uh, knew of ayahuasca and was 
going to partake in some ceremonies and then told me about it, which then sparked my interest because when I researched it, I understood that that ayahuasca was very, very good at helping people move through addictions, which was what my primary motivation was to kind of work through the addictions to be able to live a more balanced life at the time. I never knew that that would mean transforming and changing my whole life. I thought I would live the same life just with less addictions. And I also didn't even think that drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes were addictions. I was just kind of wanting to stop more of the hard drugs. And so, yeah, that led me, that led me to when I was living in Germany, going to some ayahuasca ceremonies there and then having a very, very deep transformative experience, uh, which, which helped me move through the addictions, the first layers of the addictions quite profoundly, very quickly that I was able to see things in a complete different perspective, stop smoking cigarettes, stop drinking straight away. That wasn't to say that there wasn't like deeper they stopped doing drugs as well straight away. So it wasn't to say that there wasn't deeper levels and layers to kind of work through, but the ability for me to see that in a completely different light and change was, wow, it was like something I'd never experienced. And I tried for, you know, five, six years to perhaps cut down and do less things. So it was, it was really, it really caught my attention in that way. When you say right away, like after the first, first time, kind of you were able to stop like smoking and things like that uh yeah i was i was in a a retreat and it was like three i think it was like three ceremonies Mm -hmm. and i think within the second ceremony i stopped smoking cigarettes and yeah i didn't i didn't do any more drugs or, or or drink any alcohol um for quite an extended period of time after that so it was it was it was really pretty immediate but like I say, there's there's deeper levels and layers to addictions that for true, complete healing take a little bit more time in my experience. But it was very profound how that was able to shift that in a way that working with therapists and doing more traditional like psychotherapeutics and to kind of just looking at like, well, just say no and just have willpower. It was just something I, my perspective changed, my beliefs changed, my viewpoint changed, and that gave me access to a different point of view, which enabled me to abstain from smoking and drinking and, and then use that, rode that crest of that wave of that energy of that opening to then pursue and integrate and deepen that change, that awakening by traveling to India and Nepal and, and then finding my way down here to Peru. When you say ceremony, can you explain um, what do you mean by ceremonies or the, you know, one ceremony or three ceremonies or something? Yes. So an an ayahuasca ceremony is something that traditionally occurs in the tradition that we work in, which is based in the Shipibo tradition. Although my first ayahuasca ceremonies weren't actually based in that tradition. However, an ayahuasca ceremony is something that is normally spans anywhere between three to six hours and is in the nighttime where one takes drinks a concoction known as ayahuasca, which is the mix of a vine called ayahuasca and another plant called chacruna, which the chacruna has a high DMT content and the ayahuasca vine contains uh, inhibitors, which mean that the DMT is not reabsorbed in the body in other words, means that you have an extended DMT experience, 
but ayahuasca is very different to smoking DMT or taking DMT in other ways. The ayahuasca vine is a, a great teacher plant. So you end up going on a journey, like a psychedelic journey for three to six hours, which enables you to re-experience trauma, to release that from the body, to see different viewpoints. People talk about the veil of a physical reality see beyond what is normally seen in the day-to-day life from reality in other words see and get in contact with different spirits different dimensions feel connected more to oneness the universe to god to whatever you might want to call that that wasn't necessarily my direct experience i wouldn't call my direct experience a god experience to begin with so it really provides different points of view which enable you to then see yourself differently in terms of the bigger picture my experience in the ceremony was very much seeing that at the bottom of the addictions was this big gaping hole of lack of love and it was just the feeling of the lot like the pain from my mother being ill all of her life and i actually went back in the ceremony to being born and then actually breastfeeding and feeling the love, the unconditional love from my on like after just being born and just realized that that was so repressed that that feeling was just so unavailable. And I could see that the, the, the chasing of the drugs was actually chasing that feeling of unconditional love. And it was able to, I was able to communicate more openly, even more feel the, the spirit of my mother than I had in the sound healing ceremonies which categorically showed me, I felt it experientially beyond words, that, okay, this is not like the human experience, this physical reality is not it, that life goes on after that. And that was a really big experiential awakening rather than someone saying, going to a church and someone saying, no, you're going to go to heaven or something like that, or whatever it might be, everyone's version of what that might be. It was a direct experience and knowing okay, this, there is more to life than I'm experiencing. And, I, and I've got the wrong end of the stick here. I, I'm living in this little, little bubble that I call Michael and I'm living it's like capitalist world, trying to make money doing these things and following these structures and institutions, which have told me, and it's like, okay, this is just, this is just me running around chasing my tail. So yeah, you go through these experiences in an ayahuasca ceremony and there's, there's a thing called purging, which means that you might vomit so the medicine, the ayahuasca medicine goes in. And as you're feeling and experiencing these emotions, often you can have a purge through vomiting. And it can also be through diarrhea as well. But this is the energy, the physical energy and the emotional energy, the toxicity, the toxins being purged from the body, which doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like when you perhaps drank too many beers or you've eaten a bad kebab or something like that. Right. It's a it's a liberating feeling. So it's very different to any other vomiting that I have experienced. And within that comes a great space and openness for more of that love, which is our true nature, our unconditional loving nature, just to be more in center. So like polishing off the dust and allowing that shine, that natural shine to kind of come through. So yeah, these ceremonies last about four to six, three to six hours, depending on, on, on various factors of just kind of how, how the night goes. And yeah, the intention for these ceremonies is to, to heal, to awaken, to, to grow. Are there, you mentioned the, the vomiting, which I've, I've heard of a lot. Some, it depends on each person, right. And their experience, but 
are there things that you can do to lessen that um i guess the uh, purging yeah the purging or anything like that yeah don't drink ayahuasca that would be the, <laughs> yeah. primary, be the primary way to reduce like, it like you said it is a therapeutic versus mm. you know other times when you're you know it seems like it's a part of the process so yeah, yeah. it, it is a part of the it is a part of the process yeah. um however when you're first drinking ayahuasca there is a tendency for someone who is first drinking ayahuasca as you begin to kind of move into the the state of the medicine, which is known as mariasion, when you're moving to the mariasion of the medicine or to the altered state of ayahuasca, in the first, it takes sometimes, you know, between 10 to 20, 20 minutes, sometimes the effects to come on. In that first bit, it can be, it can be a little bit upsetting, like nauseating, like an upset stomach which can be likened sometimes like a plane taking off when you're on the plane and the plane's going up and it's kind of just going through and it's kind of like a little bit bumpy. And then you kind of get up and then you're like, okay, we're cruising. So at that point when the plane's taking off, sometimes it can feel like, okay, I've got to throw up. And when you are more aware that this may pass, you may not need to throw up at the beginning part of that experience. And that kind of comes with practice. And the benefit of that is that the medicine will stay longer in the system. And you perhaps go into a deeper journey, but at the same time, if it's going to come out, it's going to come out and there's nothing wrong with vomiting. It's a part of that process of cleaning and healing. And that will happen naturally. If you're going to vomit, ultimately you will vomit. Uh, it's, it's, there's not much you can do to stop that. And it's a part of that process. So, Tell me a little bit about, uh, I guess, Casa Galactica and your retreat and what types of service you offer there. Okay, great. Well, we are actually now, depending on when this goes live, when this goes out, we're updating our website and our new retreats are actually going to go live in the next week or two. So we're in Peru, but we're actually based now in the Sacred Valley in a little town sack which is in the Cusco region, also known as the Sacred Valley. It, it actually cut up a little bit right there. Can you repeat where you say? Where you say yeah, we're in, we're in Peru, in Pisac, in the Sacred Valley of okay. Peru, in the Cusco region. Okay. So we have been previously based in the Amazon rainforest where we had our retreats before. Yet now we've just decided as we're reopening after the pandemic, we have moved our locations to a beautiful town in the Andean Mountains here in, in Pisac in Peru. So my wife and I, we offer ayahuasca healing and evolution retreats, which is a program which includes ayahuasca and it includes many other plant medicines for holistic healing of the mind, body, and spirit of various ailments of trauma, learning to heal yourself, finding and learning tools, how to navigate life, to be able to heal uh, emotional traumas, pains and sufferings, anxiety, depression, PTSD. But this is a holistic program that starts way before when you, you get down to Peru with us. We start working with you online, providing a full preparation of what to expect beginning to provide you with tools for transformation, 
tools that you can begin to learn and work with that actually prepare you. So when you come down to the ayahuasca ceremony, you're not starting at zero. You've already got some tools of what to expect of what it's like to process and heal yourself, learn more about connecting with spirit, connecting with your higher self. And we then also provide one-on-one care, one-on-one sessions. Uh, we, we are trauma-informed plant spirit healers, which means that we work with people with multidimensional modalities to help people heal trauma and discover the truth of who they are. So we provide personalized program. We just work with groups with just four people. So four people come down with us at a time. So we have a very nice intimate setting here in PSAC, which enables us to work really, really in depth, provide lots of one-on-one care and attention so that people can come down here who perhaps have experienced deep levels of trauma and have their hand held through the whole process because facing trauma, facing the darkness, facing the anxiety, the depression, what the, so the root cause of that can, can sometimes be uncomfortable. So we really provide holistic treatment at our center with, with many different plants to help people discover the truth of, of, of who you are. And yeah, we're very, very passionate at providing safe uh, environments a safe space for people to learn, heal, and grow. Okay. Is, is ayahuasca legal in most places? In Peru, where we live, it's, it's a hundred percent legal, but in, right, right around the, around the world. Yeah. Yeah. In most places, uh, it's a schedule one substance and illegal. Uh, one of the reasons why we live in Peru to do our work here is because that, Ayahuasca is part of the natural heritage here of Peru and is protected and therefore is also legal for us to do work. So when people come to us, there's zero issues with regards to law enforcement. However, if you find yourself going to a ceremony in the States or in Europe and many different places, most countries, in fact, it is an illegal substance. Mm. Yeah, we came across a couple of people that are tried ayahuasca and a lot of times it's in Peru so I always wonder like I guess it's more conducive to the whole experience and everything it's probably not too many places that are um, where it's legal but I think northern California they're working on um, making a few of them legal like ayahuasca and ibogaine and a couple of mushrooms a couple of other things for treatments and things yeah. yeah. Um, is mushrooms just as big there in Peru as well? Mushrooms is is not a part of the traditional heritage or culture here. So there is two plants which are mainly worked with within Peru, which is ayahuasca, as we have mentioned. And then in this region, there is a plant called huachuma or San Pedro, which is a natural source of mescaline. And this is a, another psychoactive plant that is worked with here within the Andean traditions, although it's not something that we use or, or provide here. Okay. She's had the experience of going to Peru as well. I'm not sure if you knew that. Yeah, I, I did the, the Inca Trail uh, four-day walk, and we also stopped by Cusco region um, to look at some of the historic sites there. Was, what was your favorite part about being in Peru? Uh, the food was amazing. Yeah. I was I was 
very pleasantly surprised. There was a lot of a lot of different mixtures of cultures happening on the food side. So I really like the food and um, people were super nice. And um, the, the, the trail was a little, um, it was quite the experience for me because I wasn't, I wasn't prepared, you know, like I tried to practice climbing mountains and things like that, but it was still pretty tough. It was a, a lot of hours walking. So, but it was, it was a great experience overall. Mm-hmm. We've made it to Machu Picchu. Yeah, I did. Oh, we awesome. walked there uh, early in the morning, and then we took uh, is it a train or a bus that goes down um, to the city down at the bottom? Yeah, yeah. it was pretty amazing. Awesome. I was going to say we've had um, a previous guest, I think Emily, that kind of educated us a little bit about grieving, and you said that after your mom passed was one of the things that kind of clicked the change and made you push towards that change. What are some of the tips that you could share with other people that, you know, also help with that? I guess not only just the, or outside of the, <laughs> the ayahuasca, what are some things that help you to kind of build the discipline and, and move forward as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ayahuasca, as I mentioned with our retreats, is just one part of the process. It's one piece of the puzzle. And it's a very powerful piece, but in our experience, having a holistic approach, which helps people integrate and take these tools back into their life is equally as important. So like ayahuasca is kind of one player on the field, which can you can have a really great player who can score all the goals and it'd be awesome. But having that holistic team of all these different players is going to be more sustainable uh, long-term and more effective. So for anyone who's going through any grief, the first thing I can just say is talk about it, talk to someone. And that doesn't need to be a professional call up a friend, speak about it. It's when we start to repress those energies, when we start to repress that pain, when we start to repress that anger, then it starts coming out in ways that we don't really prefer. Start getting short in arguments, start swearing and getting angry with other people. We don't really want to do that. So it's like finding an outlet for that. So that could just be playing games. That could be playing sport. It might be something that's kind of taking the pressure off that valve. But for then, if you're wanting to find the root of that grief, then working within trauma-informed healer to be able to go deeper into the pain to then be able to release it because it gets stored in the body. So just because if you don't talk about it and you, you push it down, it gets stored in the body and it comes out, as I said, in, in different ways. So working with a trauma informed healer and I offer online, we offer online healing sessions with people who are not able or don't want to come down and work with ayahuasca to help people go to the root cause of that pain to kind of unplug where that blockage is to allow that to drain out of the body, out of the mind, out of the spirits to that, that pain can be cried out. It can be felt, it can be released. And sometimes that can be uncomfortable, but it's also uncomfortable stuffing that down. It's also uncomfortable at unconsciously coming out. It's also uncomfortable not being able to express or talk about it. So I would say there's a few different levels. The first level is find someone support and family and friends to be able to talk to. Sometimes family and friends might not be the adequate level of support that you might need. So you might consider going to a support group 
of something around the issue that maybe you're finding, perhaps it's grief, death of a loved one, it might be addiction, it might be something else. And then you can also then look at finding trauma-informed therapy or trauma-informed healing, where you can start working with one-on-one with people to be able to put with qualified professionals to be able to gently move towards that pain, that suffering, so that it doesn't need to continue to be unconsciously expressed or play out in your relationships with your loved ones, with your family. These are all perfect preparatory steps for working with ayahuasca because if you've got that building blocks, if you've been doing that spiritual training, if you will, by the time that you get to the game, if you want to use the analogy, you're going to be prepared. So by the time that you come to Peru and by the time that you work with ayahuasca, you're already going to have this support system in, in place. You're going to be more able to perhaps talk about these experiences, talk about things as they as they're as they're coming up for you. And then you're also going to be able to have that support structure that as perhaps repressed memories or painful things arise, you know how to deal with them. So my advice here is that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, like there's help available at many different levels. There's many free services available. There's many support groups that don't cost anything. There's many people who perhaps anyone is listening think, I oh, maybe I could talk to this person a little bit more about my feelings. And there's also opportunity then to apply to different programs, the scholarships to be able to get help for people who can't afford that. Really what I would say is that intention to heal, look at what's available here and now because there's, there's stuff in different places that you can that you can find. But it's that willingness to be ready to face that pain rather than run away from it. And then realize you don't have to do that on your own and realize that when you're running away from the pain, you're actually running away from your true self. And that's not who you really want to be. Your true self wants to come shining forth, but sometimes it's difficult. It takes courage, especially when we don't have anyone in our life. Perhaps she's been the role model who's actually shown us there's another way. There's another way rather than allowing this anger or this violence to take over life. It's like, how do I change and break that cycle? And that really means just turning towards oneself. And um, for me, my experience was began with meditation and then ayahuasca, but big part of my journey was working with a therapist. Big part of a journey has been doing a lot of my healing without plant medicines. You don't need plant medicines to heal yourself. It's one tool in your toolbox. And it may not be available to you where you are, where you're listening, but it may be something that perhaps a year or two down the line might be something that becomes more available. But it's like, what's here now? What's here and now available? That's what my advice would be. Turn towards that intention, have courage and ask for help. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's been very valuable <laughs> communication or being able to communicate, you know, your frustrations or at least not even frustration or just your, what's keeping you low or what's bothering you. It is a very important, even just like you said, communicating that grief with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Uh, to go back a little bit, I guess, to uh, the, to go to the, the day after the um, ayahuasca ceremonies, I think before someone mentioned a particular diet, what are some of the things to expect after? Or what are the, the instructions that you guys usually give for when leaving the ceremony? Yeah, sure. So we we have a full integration package, which means that we do one-on-one counseling with people online. We also do group 
sharing circles online, which is an extension of the integration work that we do on retreats. And we give people written guidelines of basically how to reintegrate back into society and normal life. And then we offer ongoing support for people who want additional help and want additional support. We're able to, to continue working with people online when they go home. So it's not like I have to be in Peru to get help because that could be disruptive perhaps to one's life if you have to get on a plane every time you need help to work with what's been arising on a retreat but gently moving back i think probably to start with when you come to drink ayahuasca there is a there's a, a diet that we that we suggest and require which is requirement of coming off pharmaceutical pharmaceutical medications any drugs or recreational drugs alcohol and then there's a simplifying of the diet or reducing red meat, reducing salt, sugar, and oil, stimulants, caffeine, so that really you want to be cleaning the body through the diet. So on the opposite end, on, on the other end of that, and there's a slow reintegration of those foods. And what we find is that perhaps it's difficult to abstain from a few things perhaps especially if you know someone likes drinking or someone likes a lot of fatty food it might be difficult as you're preparing for the ayahuasca retreat to abstain or reduce but what we find is when you're coming out of that ayahuasca retreat where throughout the ayahuasca retreat we we have no salt no sugar no oil no sex no stimulants no alcohol caffeine etc so it's very 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 plain in that sense doesn't mean the food is not tasty we've got great chefs but the food's very plain in that sense but what we find is that as people come back out into that world may find that some of those things those crutches that we lean on those candy bars the sugar the chocolate whatever it may be they're not required as much because the root of that trauma the root of that addiction has been healed so the integration process is how do I reintegrate into society with healthier habits, replacing some of those perhaps more destructive, unhealthy habits. And a lot of the tools, meditation and Qigong and trauma-informed spiritual practices that we teach people on the retreats, helping people to implement those into their lives to form healthy habits, relationships, and communication with others so that that healing can continue to go on. Because the the retreat, when you come to us, as we say, we start with a big preparation program with lots of uh, content and videos that we have to prepare people. And on the other side of things, we have a big integration program. So really, it's like the crescendo is coming to Peru and having the retreat with us and having 10 days where you work really intensely with us. And then it's the integration and the ongoing support is the seeds that are planted throughout those 10 days. How do you nurture them? How do you water that garden? How do you, how do you get it to grow? And, and that's what we were really passionate about explaining thoroughly to people so that plant medicine experiences get transformed into lifelong changes. So for those who might not know what, um, what channeling is. Can you explain that a little bit and what type of uh, work you do with channeling? Sure. Thanks for the question, Gypsy. So channeling, channeling is an ability that we all have. So I'm just going to break it down to something perhaps more simple. When you perhaps see Christopher Walken in a movie, he's channeling a character. 
that's he's channeling that personality and energy kind of comes through him. He's like, okay, this is, this is the character who's on the screen. So when musicians get into the flow state and it's just like, okay, the music's coming through. I'm not thinking about what beats coming next. I'm not thinking about what riff I'm going to lay down. I'm not thinking what's going to come out. That's channeling the music or channeling another energy that's coming through. So when people are talking, when people are doing an interview, so perhaps the questions just arise, or perhaps when you're having a friend who is having a tough time and you just know the right thing to say and you didn't think about it beforehand. Some people call that maybe the flow state. So these are all types of channeling. This is connecting to something that's beyond the personality or the ego and allowing that to come through or being. So that happens all the time. So demystifying channeling is something that is available to everyone. And just like playing soccer, just like playing football, if you practice at it and you know the rules of that game, you can then become better at it and then do different skills or techniques on demand because you're like, okay, I know how to throw that ball 50 meters to this person because I practiced it doing it this way and the other. Anyone can do that if they practice to it. Okay. Now, in that analogy, perhaps some people might be more sporty or athletic or perhaps more have a more of a natural ability to connect to that. And perhaps some people might be more naturally open or intuitive or naturally able to channel. That wasn't necessarily my case. I didn't, as I said, I didn't believe in any of this stuff. But channeling really is connecting to a higher aspect of yourself or other beings or other aspects of reality or one creator and allowing that higher intelligence to come through, perhaps in automatic writing, in verbal channeling. And the, the important part of that is that when channeling is to have the intention that that should be for someone's highest, greatest good healing and purpose which means that we're able to connect with different plant spirits because plant spirits that we work with in ayahuasca ceremonies, you can drink plant medicines and connect with plant spirits, but you also don't need to ingest plants to connect with plant spirits. And then you may hear of people talking to angels or guides or extraterrestrials or other beings, and it's allowing the infinite intelligence that is connected to all things to be able to re be relayed through in a channeling session for healing. Now, many of these energies, many of these beings, these multidimensional energies have the ability to help people heal, to be able to help people clean their bodies, their minds, their spirit, very similar in many ways to an ayahuasca ceremony or plant spirit healing ceremony. But channeling is recognizing that everything is here and now, and that we all have an ability to connect to this infinite intelligent that is available to each and every one of us. And the intention behind that is how is this recognition of the truer nature of reality be able to be used in service to all to help others heal learn and grow happy to answer any further clarifications on that well you said you can practice to um to to get better at channeling what are some things that you um, people can do to practice channeling yeah for for sure well Firstly, we have online courses that we share with people who are interested, which really outlay the simple steps of how to learn to channel. So we take people through this process and then give people homework and then different exercises to practice, which are custom made and tailor made to that person in alignment with their higher self. But 
the simplest thing that I could say for someone being ready to practice channeling is meditation, meditation being a precursor, because to be able to receive messages from the unseen world, we need to declutter the messages from our mind or those criticizing voices that we have in our head, or when we try to keep still, oh, I should do this or I should do that. So learning to practice and clean the mind, that's one way. The other way, or another part of that can also be cleaning the body, stretching the body, like yoga and qigong, spiritual movement practices, which can also help open the channels in the body. And then the other aspect is then beginning to detoxify the body through the physical diet. So cleansing and detoxing. These are all things that enable and help us to tune to the, the, to the station. So you can imagine if a channel is tuning into a frequency, if you're doing those things like practicing meditation, healthy and, and doing yoga, opening the channels in the body, that enables you to perhaps become more precise in your tuning, although it's absolutely not necessary. These are just things that can help. Yeah. I think if I'm correct, you mentioned uh, practicing Reiki. Um, what's your opinion on crystals? So crystals are great and Reiki is also great. I, I studied, I studied Reiki and a lot with crystals at the same time when I was in India and those are really fantastic. So what I would call those would be a permission slip, um, and very beautiful permission slips, which enable us to perhaps connect to a deeper dimension or another dimension through focusing on what that physical object or that practice may be. So why is it called a permission slip? It's because that power exists really within your own consciousness. You don't need the crystal to be able to connect to that energy, but having that crystal in the hand enables you to feel more confident in the power of the infinite one consciousness because it's represented through that crystal. So another way to describe in you know, a permission slip is if someone, a superhero is wearing a cape, then perhaps he feels more powerful and believes he can fly. That crystal is that permission slip in the sense that, okay, I can feel that energy. And sometimes, especially in my case as well, having those physical tangible objects, the crystals enables us to connect to a different frequency. And it's a very powerful practice. So if any of any of you have got any crystals at home and you want to have a, a really tangible a way to start channeling, a really tangible practice to start channeling, is feel the two crystals and ask yourself, how do each of these crystals feel? What does this crystal feel like? What does the other crystal feel like? Notice the subtleties and different energy. Perhaps notice, close your eyes if you see a different color. Ask your heart how it feels about these crystals. Ask the crystals if they would like to do healing work on you and just notice if you can feel and begin to turn on, awaken your intuition, which is already there, but it's just, again, wiping the windscreen wipers and clearing the windscreen. So just listen quietly so you can practice with that. You can also do that if you have perhaps different plants in your house or plant pots. You can sit with a plant and you can feel the energy of one plant. And then you can do this with another one. Very, very good. Because when you're channeling, part of that process to become a clear channel in service to others is learning how to discern different energies. So if you're able to tune into those different frequencies and recognize those different frequencies, you're more able to be an accurate channel because you're more aware of the frequency that you're tuned to. What are some of your favorite crystals to work with? Or that you used to work with? Oh, man. Good question. Though was, what was it called? 
there was a few I bought I went through a whole phase which is really interesting because if I had the advice that I just shared right now I probably would save myself a lot of money because I was like oh my gosh crystals spent all my money on crystals and then I was like I don't need them so it was kind of like I've got them we just moved house and we've got them all stacked in the boxes that we've still not unpacked yet but when I packed them up I saw some of the crystals and I'd not, I'd not worked with them for a couple of years. And I was like, Oh man, I'm excited to get these out. Um, there's a, I think it's blue kyanite. There was a blue kyanite and this was a, a crystal that was very connected to the Palladians. And, and I would make a grid with these different crystals. And I, when I was first practicing channeling, these crystals would also help me connect to different extraterrestrial beings. So my favorite crystals were the ones that were traditionally or perhaps had the properties of being more celestial or connecting to certain extraterrestrial beings and planets. So my intention of programming the crystals, which is really just setting an intention and how I would do that, I would clean the crystals with water. So if anyone has the crystals at home, you can clean the crystals with water. If it's a crystal, wouldn't do that with selenite, but crystals that are able to be cleaned with water or sage, you can then clean the crystals and then bring them to your heart and then program them with an intention. So that could be, I want to connect to my higher self, or it could be, I want to connect to my grandmother who's passed over. I want to connect to healing energies, or it could be in this case, what I'm talking about, I want to connect with extraterrestrial beings in highest alignment with my higher self in love, light, and truth only. So that's very much setting the scene. That's setting the stage. That's setting the safe space for you to be able to connect in alignment with your higher self. So there's very there's there's many different crystals that have these interesting properties. Um, quartz crystals, you can get some very big quartz crystals, which are very interesting that can that can bring a very big um, energy through them. And again, you can program that. But yeah, blue kyanite was a very good one. I'm trying to think of the other name, some of the ones that were very good for that. No. You can search, you can search online for different crystals that connect you with extraterrestrial beings and have fun with that. Yeah, actually, barite is one of those. Um, we all of these crystals out here at the camera doesn't do it justice, but we actually found these ourselves out of the ground and cleaned them and everything. But um, these are one of the uh, crystals I think you um, use to connect to other I think that's uh, other but okay that's why i brought it up when i looked up uh barite crystals some some healers use it to um heal people from addiction that's why i brought it up i was like there was something there uh, and i know you work with that a lot but i think that was mostly blue barite i think the ones we have are white barite but it's also found in peru as well oh cool well that's nice thanks for bringing that up what are your favorite crystals um yeah in between was, amethyst and probably barite for for me that's a lot of other ones as well but yeah it's hard to say finding it, it yourself and kind of and just how the different forms of barite yeah, yeah for me I, I would still say barite because it's just made difference in my life personally um yeah. just even the know. whole energy of learning about it finding it and then learning about the metaphysical changes after you have it in your presence for so long and you yeah. notice so many things have changed since 
you've been, you know, around a certain crystal or just been involved with handling and, you know, mm. dealing with crystal. So it, 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 we've definitely seen a change just in energy yeah. and to, all together. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. Is there anything in particular you'd like to share about any of those changes that you felt with your relationships with having more crystals around you? It's, it's, it's like I said, it's close to the same, like you said, um, understanding that it's the energy you put into the crystal, not necessarily, you don't necessarily need the crystal, but it's the energy that you kind of get, even like you said, when you hold it. Yeah, I've, I've often can sit here and just have it in my hand. And I know that, you know, it's, it's either doing something with my attention span. I can't say it's the same as having the flashlight in my hand and I could sit there and it's not the same, you know, so it's some things it's like, you can't, it's hard to explain. I can't really explain it, you know, because I'm still trying to see like, wow, is that, is that what it's doing? Or is that what it, you know, what's happening? But at the same time, understanding, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Even when finding them, it's a different relationship. It's more of, you know, you almost like, okay, I can hear it. Or even if you're walking and you may accidentally step on a piece and you may be like, wait, that was something under my foot. Maybe I I felt something say, ow. And then, you know, (laughs) you look down and it's there or something like that. You you have those weird things for me personally. I've never heard of Bear Right until picked it out of the ground, but like i've i've had other crystals but this one just seems to just make a lot of changes really quickly or if i'm help me accomplish something that i'm working towards i feel like i just it helps me i don't know if you can call it i guess guidance or assistance um in what i'm working with or if I have a particular goal that I'm working towards. There's been a couple of times where I just felt, um, and, you know, and why I feel like this, because we we didn't find them all in the same day. You know, it took months. And I know the energy we were in when we first were collecting them, we were in, in a little bit of a low. And through those months of going, you know, a lot of things in our life changed before we went collecting to put us in that low frequency. And, and through the months we took collecting, it's just our, everything changed from our, how we feel about life and everything else and the state of the world and relationships and relationships and um, my career, everything changed. And it's just, um, and sometimes when you go out, maybe you stop for like a month and then you go out and collect new ones, it, it makes more changes, like, and it's very dramatic changes. And it's just like, you know, I've gotten to see it afterwards. You know, the first time, you know, I went to a place that had bear right without knowing. And, you know, a year later, I started looking at crystals and I was like, maybe I can go find some myself. And I looked up where I can find some and happened to remember that I went to that spot a year ago. And when I looked up the metaphysical properties of barite, cause I've never heard of barite. And I basically what I read, I was like, wait a minute, 
because I was trying to understand like it was, it was some, the transformation or what what triggered the transformation because I couldn't quite explain what triggered it but when I read that I was like and then I went into like my pictures to see when I went there it was the exact time and then you know later on when I started collecting some it was just making dramatic changes every time and it's just I just gotten to see the changes in my personal life and that's- and we even notice um, the place where we collect in certain spots they look different they look a certain way and it's almost like as if there was a different well I'm sure the environment must have been a certain way when it was being made but I kind of personally looked at it like a certain frequency that the crystal had in certain places. Some place it may look really nice or, you know, just a solid um, look. And then another place, it just looks distorted. It looks like it was, you know, made with a negative vibration versus with the positive vibration type. Of, if you was to look at it, if I was to look at something, you know, um, that's kind of how I looked at it, where there's some that are just look like they were made with a very loving and beautiful vibration in the earth. And also realize the other place you find them is in Peru. And I was actually in that same exact place where you find it right before going on the journey on the Inca trail and all of that. It's, you know, I just, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. And it's not just a a very, very super popular crystal, but it's, it's a nice crystal. It has so many different looks from coxcomb to a glassy look. So it's a heavy spar. So when you're holding it, it feels a lot different than a a different crystal. You know, other crystals, you know, they're a lot lighter than when you're holding. They're right. I think you've just put it on the map. I know, right? (laughs) Maybe running out after this is like, (laughs) oh, where do I get the barrack from? Change my life. <laughs> don't, need, don't need to go to proof or ayahuasca. You just need to find some barite. We'll be fine. You know, definitely still do the the ayahuasca. You know, we're looking forward to the ayahuasca um, experience ourselves. So, yeah. yeah, I make so. necklaces out of some of them too. Yeah. Well, yeah. before we get ready to close things out, any um, new projects or information you'd like to share with um, uh, our listeners about? where they can find you links and things like that and you asked earlier i don't you weren't sure when this will be released it'll be two weeks from now so okay awesome well um yeah firstly thanks for having me on the show great and uh, thanks for sharing more about your crystals i'm gonna i'm gonna go and check that one out after the after this show yeah if you want to find out more about us please visit our website at casagalactica.com and you can find a whole wealth of information. If you check out our growth portal on our website, you can find other interviews, podcasts, articles, meditations that we've got a load of free content that you can just find out more about the work we do, some of the other conversations that we have and talk more in depth about plant medicines, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, check out our casagalactica.com website. And you can also find my online offerings there where I help people work through trauma, help people learn to channel, help people connect with spirit, receive information and guidance from our galactic friends and beings. And since, thanks GFC for the, the timely uh, interview, because by the time this is being received out, we should have our website updated. So we're going to have retreats that are going to be starting this year in the Sacred Valley from September. 
So for September, we're going to be doing our new healing and evolution ayahuasca retreats, ayahuasca healing evolution retreats, I should say, where we're just going to be having four people and we're going to take people through a whole program, which is going to be a real kickstart for people to make life transformation. And like you say, it's, it's about helping people transform and change the life and, and connect to that version of themselves that they want to be and be guided through that, that process to really improve work relationships, life, and then also to help activate people and empower people into stepping into their own path and their journey, whatever that might be, whether it be writing a book, being an artist, helping someone in a school, being a podcast host, whatever it may be, whatever that life lesson journey, musician, whatever it may be, what you're here to do and share with the world. It's like, how can we like, like the crystal, how can we, how can we turn that crystal that perhaps has been on one side that feels like it's a little bit deformed or it's like got some kind of like cracks in it, or it's had a, like a really tough, hard time. How do we take that crystal? How do we shine that and allow that to be like that beauty, that natural beauty that's already there? How do we share that with the world? Because everyone's got that natural beauty inside everyone's got their own passion and purpose here it's completely different to mine it's completely different to yours we don't need to change it we need to help you embody that help you find that courage develop that courage to be able to stand step forth and shine in the world so like i say we we do our ayahuasca retreats we also have a whole host of online programs so you can meet us wherever we're at wherever you are and we also have free content on our website so if you just want to check out more about us you think it was slightly intriguing please check that out but we're here passionate to help you activate your intuition empower your healing connect with plants and then i should put brackets crystals and then embody your truth now so yeah thanks very much for, for having us on and also if you have any questions about anything at all that we offer then we offer free consultations so if you want to know more about our retreats or you're intrigued or you want to know more about our sessions or my wife's uh, Jamie's intuitive readings or her intuitive mentorship course, please just reach out to us via our contact form and we'd be more than happy to arrange a free consultation. So yeah, thanks so much for, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate, appreciate you, Michael. You. It's been a great conversation, amazing conversation, and we really learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. We'd like to also thank our listeners, our viewers, our donors, our supporters, our subscribers, all of the above following um and you can find our podcast at americangypsy.com uh you'll find uh audios videos of every episode and uh guest information as well and there you also find links to our merch we have consistent self-improvement merch at luamli.com and we also have some music under classic carpenter k-l-a-c-c-i-k C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. That's on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music. Uh, no, same thing. Tidal and YouTube and also all major platforms, some instrumental music, some electronic music um, and some vocal music as well. Thank you again to everyone. Thank you again, Michael. Um, consistent self-improvement and peace. peace.